What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Flag to Flag, talking motorsports, NASCAR, and IndyCar on Fox Sports 640. I'm Jeremy Kaufman. Suits from the KVJ Show on our sister station, 97.9 WRMF. And we're going to start this thing out recapping Talladega Super Speedway. You know, one of the only things that consistently seems to happen at Talladega is Penske going to victory lane, especially Brad Keselowski. It happened again, and this is big for... Penske as a whole when it comes to their NASCAR organization, because here we are sitting just about 10 weeks into the NASCAR season, and not only do they have a win for all three of their cup cars, guaranteeing them a spot in the playoffs, but Austin Sindrick, he's got himself a win in the Xfinity Series, too. He's got himself a pair of wins. So for Penske, they are batting a 1,000, four cars, four playoff berths, and they are focused on... Playoff time come in September, so that's a big deal, I think, for any organization to start out so early in the season with just so many wins and really having that comfortability around your organization that, yeah, look, we can focus on what we're going to do come playoff time. We don't have to worry about making it at this point, really in any situation. And and for the most part, Penske, they're in the playoffs on a normal basis, so it's not a huge shock to hear that. But to do that so early in the season is not only a message to your competition, but for Penske, I think that gives them a bit of an upper hand because now they can start working on their playoffs. They've got themselves plenty of weeks to try and rack up playoff points, get themselves some more wins, and to not have to be concerned about everything that is going to happen potentially down the road because we all know. It is crazy how many different variables there are in NASCAR season. When you talk about last weekend, that's pretty much where the variables hit the most. Talladega Super Speedway, if there is a definition of a wild card in the dictionary, Talladega's picture should be right next to it. That's really how it goes. And for Talladega, I would say it was a fairly calm race. And we had cars upside down. We had five-car pileups. And still, for Talladega standards, we really didn't have the major big one that we tend to see there. Throughout most of the weekend, we had some major accidents. There are safety concerns after this past weekend that coming up a little bit later on in the show, we're going to touch on with Joey Logano and also Derek Lancaster. But as far as the racing went there, I actually thought it was fairly clean for a Talladega race. We had uh, some great passing, not too much single file. You know, it's it's inevitable in a cup race, there's going to be single file at some point. But I felt like we had a lot of different players up front. We had plenty of passing. We had a lot of double-file, triple-file racing. I really thought it was a great showing at Talladega Super Speedway. Brad Keselowski, he's, of course, happy as can be because he has got the win. And Brad Keselowski, to me, is the Super Speedway racer of this generation. Not only the team itself, because you look at Joey Logano, you look at Ryan Blaney, who had back-to-back Talladega wins, you look at... Obviously, Brad Keselowski, who just won at Talladega for the sixth time in his Cup Series career. So why is that such a significant number? Well, that ties him for second all-time on the wins list at Talladega Super Speedway at six. Jeff Gordon and Dale Earnhardt Jr. That's who he has tied up with. Two of the greatest plate racers of history in NASCAR racing. The only one that you really think of as a better Super Speedway or Plate Racer or whatever they have on the cars now, Dale Earnhardt Sr., and he's got 10 wins. He's still the boss when it comes to Talladega. I don't know we're ever going to see anybody catch up to that level, but when you look 
at what Brad Keselowski has accomplished. His first career win came there in just his fifth start back in 2009. He got himself yet another win. This is a track that shows up in the playoffs as and is really one of the biggest wild cards we have in the playoffs because it tends to fall close to an elimination race. There's always a lot of drama around it. And Brad Keselowski being so good there is a confidence boost whenever you come back to this track. Even with how wild it is, he's got something these other guys don't have, and that's confidence on a regular basis, I think, at Talladega Super Speedway. So Brad Keselowski gets his first win of the 2021 NASCAR season. He does it uh, with a pass on Matt Benedetto, And man, I... I thought Matty D might have had this one. Uh, it seems like Matty D comes so close time after time after time, and they just cannot get this thing locked up. They cannot get themselves in victory lane. For the Wood Brothers, they are sitting at a huge number. Ryan Blaney got their last win. That was win 99. For a historic organization to be sitting right there on the edge of 100 wins and they've been there for a few years now and they just come up so close every single time we've talked about Matt Benedetto needing to improve his season um and, and really that comes with not only their poor performance in the start of the year and they're not uh, great standing in the points championship not looking great for the playoffs after just a few weeks in this season but this is a rare scenario where as you know, has been mentioned on this show before, he knows, he knew when he signed his contract for this season that he didn't have a ride for 2022. There's no uncertainty about that Wood Brothers ride. He is going to lose it. It doesn't matter what he does. They've already signed Austin Sindrick to come over there. So for Matt Benedetto, he's got the pressure all year long of auditioning for a ride. And in the first four races, that started out with a 33rd, a 37th, a 28th, and a 16th. They're not great numbers, especially when you consider most of those outside the top 20. Now, he hasn't exactly set the world on fire since then, but in the last five races, those finishes have been 14th, 11th, 13th, 12th, and then a top 10 and a top 5 with the 9th and a 5th, respectively. So we've seen a turnaround, and really, this was a guy who was down around 23rd, 24th in points. Well, now he's sitting in the 17th position, just 12 points behind Chris Buescher on the cut line. So they have really rebounded, and Matt Benedetto, he's one of the guys that I think everybody just, they root for. You feel for this guy. We, we saw the way Bristol lit up when he almost won that Bristol night race uh, driving back in the Levine family racing days in the 95 car. Similar situation, an Xfinity regular that was partnered to the main organization um, that his current team was a satellite of was coming up through the ranks, and they needed a seat in Matt Benedetto's kind of gotten the raw end of that deal twice now. But Talladega looked like it was going to be it. And unfortunately, it appeared that just a bad move out of Matt Benedetto at the end of that race. And when I say bad move costing him this race, it's not necessarily that he did anything wrong. This is just coming from experience on plate tracks. He had a run coming to the high side. He's coming to the white flag. He decides to go up there to block that run. Brad Keselowski's like, Merry Christmas. This is the greatest thing I've ever seen. He opens up the bottom. Keselowski gets to his inside. And at that point, it was all over for Brad Keselowski. When he sniffs the lead late in these um, super speedway races, it's tough to beat him. As we just said, he's got six wins here, including this past weekend. Matt Benedetto, he's going up against one of the best plate racers, if not the best plate racer or 
uh, super speedway racer, rather. One of these days is going to get through my head. There's no plates on these cars, I promise. But he's definitely one of the better super speedway racers, if not the best that we have in the series right now. His stats back it up. He's got a couple of wins as well um, at Daytona, so he knows how to super speedway race. And honestly, Matt Benedetto, he just got caught out by a little bit of a lack of experience up front compared to the experience of a multi-time winner like Brad Keselowski. I don't think he should beat himself up too bad for this. I mean, these decisions are being thrown at you so quickly. You're coming to the white flag. You've got a guy with a run on the high side. Your instinct is to jump to the high side and try and block that run. That's what Matt DiBenedetto did. did. Unfortunately, Brad Keselowski, it kind of handed him the win, gave him an opening on the inside, and ends up still with a fifth-place finish for Matt DiBenedetto. But he said in his post-race comments that he felt their day will come. Our day will come. And I really do believe that if this organization can keep themselves on the performance level they're doing right now, hanging in the top 15, scoring top 10, scoring top uh, fives, they will get to victory lane. I think Matt Benedetto was a very talented driver who has had incredibly bad luck thrown at him. He's had opportunities to drive cars in good organizations, but never an opportunity to actually have a seat that was Matt Benedetto's for a good organization. I remember watching him race in, in the Gibbs Xfinity program on the standalone races. We're talking back now, I mean, as far back as 12, 13 years he was doing that, but he's never had that full-time opportunity. And I think this is the best opportunity Matt Benedetto has to drive this 21 car. I think he is in a must-win scenario. He's got himself until the end of the season to do that and to impress. And I think That this team, especially with Penske support, considering they've got everybody else in the playoffs, they've got an opportunity to go out there and win. At the very least, they're definitely going to be in this playoff hunt because right now they are right there just under the cut line sitting on the bubble with a shot to make up some ground. Somebody else who deserves a huge shout out over this weekend for me, third place finisher Michael McDowell. Now, Michael McDowell obviously, as we all know, is the Daytona 500 champion, and it was his first career win in the Cup Series driving for that front row motorsports team, and they had some solid runs pieced together between the 500 and the road course, but the question was going to be, what can this team do when we go week in, week out to regular racetracks, to where we're heading this weekend, to Kansas, to Las Vegas, Phoenix, whatever it may be? That was the big question I really had about this 34 team because for front row motorsports, and again, it's nothing against that organization, but they don't have the funding of these other teams. And when you go to some of these more aerodynamically um, dependent racetracks where it's not as equal of a competition field, it can become very difficult. So when you look at Matt DiBenedetto, they have to capitalize where they can capitalize. And this team is doing an excellent job of that because first and foremost, Matt DiBenedetto, he can road race. He's got more opportunities to show that off than we have ever had in the series before. But when we went to the Super Speedway at Daytona, he won. When we came to Talladega last weekend, he places in third position. He avoids all the wrecks. He has a solid, consistent day and does exactly what Michael McDowell has to do to have the best possible season. This team is impressive to me because of, I mean, it's not these plate or uh, super speedway tracks are necessarily the best show of who is the best team. 
But when you have a limited amount of opportunities to capitalize, when every single week you're not Denny Hamlin where you know you can win every single race, you've got to take those good runs when you know you can get them. And this team has done a fantastic job of that. Huge shout out to Michael McDowell and the Front Row Motorsports organization. And I'll tell you, somebody going the other way is Kyle Larson. This is a guy who just a few weeks ago, I was saying, man, he might be championship favorite material. He got that win early. He was consistently having good runs. Now, four races does not make a season, especially when you have locked yourself into the NASCAR playoffs already. But this past weekend was, to me, a show on mistakes for Larson and company. This is the big issue we always talk about. You got to cut the mistakes out of these races. Well, let's look at what happened to Kyle Larson this past weekend. Two laps in, he's coming down pit road overheating. That doesn't happen in two laps. The minute I saw him coming down pit road and they didn't even, you know, consider the fact that there was a gauge issue, which for me, I'm thinking it's got to be a gauge. There's no way he's running 300 degrees in two laps. Well, here's what reportedly happened. And um, apparently they left, which I don't know why this would be there. And and this is probably just my inexperience. You know, I'm not exactly a mechanic when it comes to these things. Uh, The engineering side of the cars, there's a lot of nuances that the, the typical fan may not know about. But for some reason, there was a sheet of metal that was reported to have been left between the radiator and the air ducts. And as a result, there was no air getting to the radiator whatsoever. They say one of the crew members forgot to remove it. And obviously, 40th place, he paid the price. He was done by lap six, which is a cruel way to end a 500-mile race to run such a short distance. This is something I think we're seeing more because of the lack of practice. If Kyle Larson had been on track this weekend, had been on the racetrack and ran practice laps, that probably wouldn't have happened. They probably would have taken that out. If it was left in at any point, it would have overheated immediately as soon as he went on the track. He would have come to pit road. They would have cooled it down. No harm, no foul. Right now, though, Kyle Larson did not um, have the benefit of those practice sessions, as nobody really does week in, week out anymore. No qualifying, no nothing. So you're finding out these mistakes when you throw the green flag, and then it's too late to correct them. You are, you're screwed, because you can't go ahead and change a radiator after it blows, uh, the water overheats and your engine blows. You can't change everything out. You can do that in practice before the race. You can't do that during the race. So to me, it it shows that these teams really open themselves up to a couple of more mistakes when there's no practice. And you have to be so on point to make sure with your checklist that everything is right on those race cars before they roll off pit road to start that race. Because without practice, you don't get a mulligan anymore. That's why these mistakes with guys starting at the rear of the field with um, issues in inspection, you're not getting the opportunity to correct these things because you're just getting to the track, you're rolling your car out. And we're seeing that negative effect on some teams. Kyle Larson, 40th place last week he was 18th the week before that he got a top five but then it was 29th before that and and Kyle Larson you can see him paying the price he has dropped down the grid to sixth on the overall playoff standings right now Um, he's still got the win he's in playoff contention this is not something that will hurt them down the road they're not going to look back at this Talladega mistake and be like this cost us a championship Uh, more than likely unless they comes down to two stage points but This is the kind of stuff that you need to eliminate now because when the playoffs do start, when we get closer to it, and when you need to start earning playoff points to get yourself prepared for a run for the championship, you can't have these kind of things happening. Just like Denny Hamlin. You know, I don't know what it is with Denny Hamlin and speeding, 
but he sped on pit road under green when he led the most laps at this Talladega race. And then he sped doing the pass through. And then when he was trying to rebound, he ends up getting involved at a wreck. So Denny Hamlin has a terrible finish. The only saving grace for him is he crashed into his teammate who was second in points. So Denny Hamlin actually gained seven points over second place Martin Truex Jr., even though he finished well out in the 30th, second position, two laps down. Martin Truex Jr., 31st, and a couple of stage points swung in his direction, so he was able to still pay it off with a good finish. Taking a look at your top 10, it was Brad Keselowski in victory lane. William Byron crashed at the end of stage two uh, with his teammates, Bowman and Elliott. Uh, Kudos to Talladega Super Speedway for having the grass cut nice and short there because I thought for sure all three of those Hendrick cars are going to rip the front end off as soon as they went into the grass. They all somehow came out of the grass without ripping the, uh, the front splitter off. Uh, second place, a heck of a rebound for William Byron. Michael McDowell will be mentioned in third. Kevin Harvick rebounds after a rough uh, week last week, crashing out at Richmond with a fourth place finish. Matt Benedetto in fifth. Kaz Gralla, Cowlick Racing. This is a guy with limited cup experience. This is a team with limited cup experience, and they got the most out of what they could for this day. Sixth place finish for Kaz Gralla. Tyler Reddick in seventh. It's Austin Dillon eighth. Ryan Blaney in ninth. And Cole Custer finishing up the top ten. As for your playoff standings, I told you Matt Benedetto is sitting on the cut line just below it. He is 12 points out behind Chris Buescher. Below him, Kurt Busch, just another point back, and Ryan Newman and Bubba Wallace right there in the top 20 in contention for the playoffs. Bubba Wallace, talk about a scary moment in this past race we just had. A car basically lands on top of him, and he somehow gets through it. That car was Joey Logano, and boy, he had a lot to say. After the race, uh, talking about safety of the cars, we hear a lot of drivers talk about safety concerns at Talladega Super Speedway. I mean, I was watching a race from 2005, a clip from a race that was on NASCAR's YouTube page, and what were they doing? Complaining that these cars aren't safe enough and that something has to change at Talladega. Will it change? Probably not. But we'll talk about what Joey Logano's concerns were, what went wrong in his flip, plus Scary moment in the ARCA race. Derek Lancaster had a fiery crash, and he is recovering right now. I'll give you an update on his condition and talk about what NASCAR says they can do to try and make the sport safer. More Flag to Flag next on Fox Sports 640. It's Flag to Flag on Fox Sports 640, recapping you on all the action from a wild weekend in Talladega. And this is no big shock. Whenever we leave Talladega, there's always drivers worried about safety. But some legitimate reasons and some scary moments from this past weekend, we'll start with the cup race and the flip for Joey Logano. And I will say it was an odd area of the racetrack to me that that car flipped. I, it, it did not seem like it made any aerodynamic sense, but obviously it did because the car went over what looked like pretty easily. He got turned uh, fairly close up in the pack, entering turn three, coming off the back straightaway. Right down on the bottom of the racetrack, he spins kind of where the banking and the the apron are about to have a major disparaging difference in um, the banking. And then Joey Logano gets a little bump from the 47, and that was enough to get him backward quick enough to where he just lifted, went over like a feather, came down on the roof, did a couple of uh, rolls, and came to a rest in uh, the grass right there inside of turns three and four. Now, the good news, of course, Joey Logano, okay after this crash. But after this, Joey Logano drew similarities to what happened to Ryan Newman. And some of the pictures you can see on his Instagram show you, okay, yeah, there were some close calls 
with this accident. First of all, he flipped in front of the pack. And we know that the big thing that happened in the Ryan Newman incident was Corey LaJoy hit him right basically in the window net and on the roof when he came back down to the racetrack. And that is what caused the injuries that uh, affected Ryan Newman after that accident so severely. Luckily, Ryan Newman, because of that car and ironically, the Newman bar that was installed after another big wreck he had saved his life. Now, Joey Logano After he got out of that car, he needed a little help because the roof had caved in slightly on him. And Joey is one of the taller guys in the garage. So that already puts you at a distinct disadvantage when you're in a race car, let alone when you go upside down. He basically said when the team asked him if he could drive the car off, because it didn't look all that bad from the outside considering the accident he had. But he said that the roll cage was actually pressing against his helmet And, of course, that's a major safety issue. And so the weight that collapsed on the roof also jammed his window net shut. You can see in the pictures NASCAR had to cut the the window net from the bottom to get him out of the car. Now, that is, to me, the scariest part of all this. Because if there's a fire in that situation, Joey's trapped. He's not getting out of that race car if he can't get the window net because the roof is caved down on it. So maybe there's something to do with the roof to keep it a little bit stronger. NASCAR always is very good about this. I do give them a lot of credit when it comes to how they handle safety when it comes to these cars. And even Joey Logano said, look, I spoke with the executives after returning home on Sunday. He, he praised the continued commitment to safety from the sanctioning body, but he also said that NASCAR can't just take the next two races off and they need to keep looking at this. And NASCAR will. Scott Miller, vice president of competition, uh, made his weekly appearance on the morning drive with Sirius XM NASCAR radio. And he basically said, look, we're disappointed in what transpired, transpired, but we're super happy that Joey was okay and that the roll hoop and all the things that needed to protect him did. But cars getting up in the air is not good. It's something that we've been working on and will continue to work on. So a, a couple of takeaways from his comments there, at least to me, NASCAR has always talked about keeping race cars on the ground. As long as I've been a fan for the last 15 years, that's what I hear them talk about anytime someone gets upside down at Talladega or Daytona. If you look up what speed a plane takes off at, it will tell you on Google that it is 149 to 177 miles an hour. I'm sure that depends on whatever the plane is. These guys are doing 200 miles an hour at Talladega Super Speedway. So right off the bat, I think we got to cut NASCAR a little bit of slack when these cars get upside down because we've got roof flaps. We've got um, the cow flaps that have been greatly increased in size. I'm sure NASCAR's got some great stuff on the next gen that's going to be released next week that we're going to get our first look at to try and keep these cars on the ground. But at the end of the day, you are never going to keep cars 100% on the ground all the time. They're too fast. And that's the point. It's NASCAR. It's racing. They're supposed to be doing 200 miles an hour. What you do is everything in your power to reduce the risk of getting cars off the ground. And I think NASCAR honestly has done a fantastic job of that. They constantly are examining safety to that point. They are looking in to what happened already to Joey Logano's car, and they've taken the car of uh, another driver from the ARCA race that suffered injuries, Derek Lancaster, to try and look and see what can we do better? How can we stop this from happening? And NASCAR, uh, even more so than a lot of other forms of racing, has done a fantastic job 
of looking at their cars and breaking down the issues and trying to find safer ways. And, and I thought it was interesting. Joey Logano feels that one of the big issues on these cars is this massive nine-inch spoiler that we use on super speedways. It's so tall that we actually have to have the top part of it clear so you can see. And, and what this does is great for racing because it, it allows other drivers behind to close up to get these big runs to where they're making these moves. But there's a danger side to it because the closing speed is so high when you make that move and people go to block there's just not enough time. We start getting into accidents. Now, what Joey Logano says is the issue when these cars get backward, instead of giving downforce to the cars, that spoiler is actually giving lift to the cars. And we had this issue before, back in the days of the original COT car, and we had the wing on the car, and we did see cars lifting up and flying into the air as soon as they got backward. Ryan Newman, Talladega 2009 was a big one. And then, of course, Brad Keselowski did it at Atlanta which was, to me, the big telltale sign that, okay, these cars are lifting up in the air way too easily. So maybe that is an issue that NASCAR needs to look at. All I can tell you is I expect that NASCAR will do a very thorough review, and they said, look, if there is something else that we can do immediately to keep cars from getting airborne after that crash, they're going to look into it and see if there is something they can do. And if there is something they can do, you know they're going to go ahead and implement that because, uh, the paramount of everything is keeping these drivers safe. Talladega, it's never going to be a safe place. That's the allure of the speedway. You know, the Indy 500 is never going to be a safe race, but it's the Indy 500. You're out there to race. These things can happen. We're reminded how dangerous this sport can be. I applaud NASCAR for all their work and what they do for safety. But for those who are calling out Joey Logano and saying, you know, look, he's, he's being a whiner here. This is racing. It's inherently dangerous. Well, yeah, it is. But for Joey Logano, he's speaking his mind, and he's saying, look, I think things can be changed to keep us safer. There's nothing wrong with the driver speaking out like that. It's always happened to Talladega. It's probably not going to change to where we take the uh, cars and completely get rid of pack racing, which I know is what the drivers want, but the fans don't want it. And, and at some point, I mean— Look, NASCAR has done a great job of keeping these drivers safe at Daytona and Talladega in the last 25 years. They really have, or uh, 20 years. You know, Dale Earnhardt's death in 2001. We haven't had a fatality in NASCAR since then. Injuries will happen. It is not something any fan wants to see. NASCAR has to be proactive. Anytime something like this happens, they need to be looking at their cars and saying, what went wrong? Why is this bar crushing in on the top? Why is the window net in a position where it can get jammed? You can't have that. But NASCAR is going to fix that. I have absolute confidence that there will be changes made because they have constantly reacted very well to incidents that occur ever since the safety revolution that occurred after Dale Earnhardt Sr.'s death in the 2001 Daytona 500. I really think we're going to see NASCAR make some big changes. Even if it's not big changes, rather, there will be an assessment of what went wrong. And if there is something they can change, they're going to do it. Uh, the one that I'm really uh, more worried about was what happened to Derek Lancaster. And um, if you don't know that name, he is an ARCA driver that was in the field for Saturday afternoon's race, the General Tire 200. And late in the race, he got a little bit of contact that sent him very hard into the outside wall. And immediately, Derek Lancaster's car went up in flames. I don't know what the situation was with uh, maybe brake failure or throttle hung or whatever, but he went for a while 
on fire almost the entire length of the backstretch before spinning out in the grass. Got out of the car. He immediately went down to the ground. He was taken away on a stretcher. Now, the good news is while Derek is in critical condition, he is also stable, according to his wife, who has been keeping us updated on uh, her Facebook page. So that is the good news. He has no burns to his trachea or lungs, but he will be on a ventilator for, and, and this was from a couple of days ago, 48 to 72 hours. So he could be coming off that ventilator fairly soon. Um, and they do think he's looking better every hour, that they feel like that they're doing this just so that the lungs can recover from the extreme heat and that they are going to be able to suction the soot out that he inhaled because this car was engulfed. If you haven't seen this accident, one of the worst fires we've seen in uh, motorsports, uh, NASCAR racing especially as a whole, for a very long time. Now, he does have second and third degree burns to both of his arms, his neck, and his face, which really surprised me because you look at the fire suits these guys wear, the fire sock under the helmet, we don't see those things happen very often. I I think about Romain Grosjean, and while he was, uh, depending on the amount of time it took Derek's car to stop, uh, Derek might have actually been in the fire longer than Romain. I, I don't know for sure, but either way, He had some burns on his hands, but um, Romain didn't suffer the kind of uh, injuries that we saw from Derek Lancaster. So I don't understand what went wrong there. Again, you can't sit there and think that uh, there's someone to blame in these situations because we are racing cars at over 180 miles an hour on a massive speedway in a pack. People are going to crash. Unfortunately, it's the nature of the game. The good news is no brakes, no internal bleeding, They, as of yesterday, have started to wean him off sedation and the ventilator, and he has now opened his eyes and now knows his wife, Beth, is there with him. So continuing to send well wishes to Derek Lancaster. NASCAR is going to be looking at that car, too, to see why it burned up so quickly, why um, the fire uh, safety gear was not able to prevent these kind of injuries. And hopefully we get an answer from NASCAR that, we can make some changes here to stop this from happening because nobody ever wants to see an accident like that go down for Derek Lancaster. The good news is it looks like he is going to be okay right now, but some very scary moments at the end of uh, that ARCA race at Talladega. Uh, Luckily, the safety crew got him out of the car. He was able to get out of the car, even though he did collapse. He did that under his own power, so he was conscious. Um, He was sedated. He's been in the hospital now since Saturday where he was airlifted to a burn unit and hopefully a quick uh, recovery and a full recovery coming for 48-year-old Derek Lancaster after the scary accident at the uh, uh, final stages of Saturday's uh, race there at uh, Talladega Super Speedway. Uh, we will continue to follow the updates. Uh, I know Bob Pockris on Twitter has been doing an excellent job. You can follow me at SuitsKVJ, S-U-I-T-S-K-V-J. Um, on Twitter, and next week on Wednesday's show, we'll have any updates, too, that come through here on Flag to Flag. We'll turn to what happened after that. The NASCAR Xfinity Series took to the racetrack, and really a fantastic run for Jeb Burton. It is his first career win, and it is an emotional win for Jeb Burton, and you can totally see uh, why this was such a big win for Jeb Burton. He's been around the sport now for... I would say we're probably coming up on about 10 years. He had run with the old uh, Turner Scott team in the truck series. He had got some wins, and I really thought, okay, this Jeb Burton guy's got some talent. We're going to see some good stuff out of him. 
But the career just didn't progress the way that Jeb needed it to. He found rides. They weren't competitive rides. He's not really had a major opportunity to showcase his talent like we've seen uh, some of these other guys have. Well, this year was the biggest opportunity he's had. Uh, Jeb Burton was going to take over for Ross Chastain. He's in one of those Khaled cars. They're fantastic when it comes to the plate tracks. We've seen this with Justin Haley especially. We've got uh, a solid organization, Justin Haley, uh, Jeb Burton, and A.J. Allmendinger over there. And when we went out to Talladega Super Speedway, Jeb Burton, he put on a great performance and caught a break. The rain. It's been a bit since uh, we've had a rain-shortened uh, race at Talladega Super Speedway, but Jeb Burton got the win over Austin Sindrick, A.J. Allmendinger, Riley Herbst, and Ryan Sieg in the top five uh, after 90 of 113 scheduled laps. This was a big deal, though, for Jeb Burton. And, and I love when a guy like this goes to victory lane. You saw the emotion in Jeb Burton's eye. You saw what this meant to him as he was getting teary-eyed because I don't think he ever really thought he was going to get one of those opportunities again. Even if he was confident in himself, you never truly know. It's so hard to find a good ride, especially when you don't have big uh, money following you. You need to find a way to get a ride without that kind of money behind you. Well, Jeb Burton... He reached the pinnacle that he could. He got to victory lane in that Xfinity Series race, and this is probably going to open doors for him, especially if he can keep on going and getting wins. He's now going to be in a position where he's probably locked into the playoffs based on the way things work. And Jeb Burton, he's got to win. There's nothing more else to say about that. It is a monkey off of his back. It's a weight off his shoulders, and you know from the moment you see him win, it's a feel-good story because when somebody gets teary-eyed after going to victory lane, you just know that how, how hard they've worked for this, how much this means for them. And Jeb Burton, he has been racing for a while in this sport. He showed promise. The career did not go the way he was hoping. And here we are some 10 years later, and Jeb Burton has won on the next rung of the ladder up in the Xfinity Series. And now the question is, can Jeb Burton find himself a ride in the Cup Series where he'll be able to win, or will he hang in Xfinity? for a while. I think there's nothing wrong with being an Xfinity regular with the way that series is. It's a competitive series right now. So we uh, don't know right now where Jeb Burton's going to end up, but he should be very proud of uh, an impeccable performance that he had at Talladega Super Speedway. Some people will discredit when you win and it's range shortened. For Jeb Burton, he was up front that whole race. He was competitive. He led laps. So this is no fluke. Jeb Burton, we don't know if he would have won if we went the whole distance, but either way, a deserving win for Jeb and the whole team. Sixth place was Noah Gragson, and that picked him up yet another dash for cash win. He's two for two, $200,000. And a reminder, because we don't normally get to be in this situation, but the dash for cash is for a million bucks. And Noah's now won two of them. If he can get all four bonuses... They're going to add another 600 grand, and he will win a million dollars. So he's the only guy with a shot for it. He's got to be the highest finisher. Um, uh, you know what, actually? Uh, wow. I I'm going to have to correct myself here. This is unfortunate. I uh, am looking here, and I have to check, actually, on the dash for cash rules because I want a little clarification on this. But uh, Noah Gregson was not among the top four finishers for Xfinity regulars, so I'm not sure if he's actually going to be eligible for the dash for cash because he was not among the top four Xfinity regulars in the finishing positions, but uh, we will see what NASCAR says when uh, we do come up to um, the NASCAR 
uh, race for the Xfinity Series in Darlington. The throwback race is going to be the next one coming up. Just got some news here, too. Uh, announced on Wednesday morning, Cowlick Racing. We were talking about that run. They just made a big announcement full-time in the Cup Series next year. This announcement coming up really just in the last hour or so, and it just popped up on my screen. So Matt Cowlick has confirmed they're going to be a full-time Cup team in 2022. That will be awesome. And I just talked about that opportunity for a ride. Well, he's got three great drivers in the Xfinity Series. Who could potentially come up to drive that car? Maybe Kaz Grala, too. You got to take a look at him also because uh, he's been running that car and running well for them in the Cup Series this year as uh, uh, putting on some fairly competitive runs. As we just mentioned, he got a sixth place finish out there at Talladega Super Speedway. So great job for that organization. Great to see new teams joining in 2022. And we'll see what uh, Cowlick has to announce coming up here in the coming months. Well, coming up in a second, we're going to go uh, talk some IndyCar racing. A big win for Colton Herter right here at uh, one of the biggest races in Florida. It was the Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg. Beautiful road course out there. Uh, talk about the point standings. We have a couple of unlikely winners, just like we had with NASCAR, to start the 2021 IndyCar season. Plus, we'll take a look at their point standings and get you set for what's coming up this weekend in the world of IndyCar and NASCAR racing. More Flag to Flag coming up in a sec. It's Fox Sports 640. It's Flag to Flag on Fox Sports 640. I'm Jeremy Kaufman. And before we talk about some IndyCar racing, do want to touch up on a point uh, from before the commercial break involving Noah Gregson and the Dash 4 cash. Just looked into that and Noah will be eligible because he won the $100,000. They are automatically going to be able to move over and defend the 100000 title, even if they're not one of the top four finishers in the uh, field as far as Xfinity regular goes. So it will be him and then the top three finishers from the Xfinity race at Talladega that were regulars. And if I'm looking at that right, it should be Noah defending. Jeb Burton, Austin Sindrick, and A.J. Allmendinger will all have a shot to upset the apple cart and win themselves hundred grand and cost Noah a shot at $1 million. So uh, that's going to be coming up. Not this weekend. It's an off weekend for the Xfinity Series, but you'll be able to catch that action at Darlington coming up the following Saturday. That'll be at 1 p.m. on FS1. Well, let's switch gears to IndyCar racing. Colton Herta got himself another win, a fourth career win already. And his dad's pretty legendary, Brian Herta, and uh, he had four wins too. So he's already matched his dad, and Colton has got quite a bit of racing ahead of him. Uh, and you want to talk about dominating a race? Pole sitter, 97 of 100 laps he led. Um, and right now, he is only five points out of the points lead, which is still maintained by Alex Pillow. He didn't get a top 10 finish this week, but he had enough points to hang on. So our winners to start the year are Penske and Andretti, which doesn't sound crazy until you see that it's Alex Pillow and Colton Herta. So just like NASCAR, we've got some different winners starting out this season that we probably didn't expect. I mean, I don't know if you can say Colton's too much of a surprise because he has been winning on a regular basis now for two years, but uh, this could be a potential breakout year for Colton Herter. He's got a great team behind him. He's one of the top organizations now, and we just saw how good he is when he gets the lead and he's got a good car to back it up. Joseph Newgarden, he came home in the second place, and that was important because a reminder, the IndyCar series is like NASCAR used to be when it comes to points. You earn points every race, and whoever has the most wins. There's no reset. There's no playoffs. There's no mulligan. 
You got to be on point. And for Joseph Newgarden, he wrecked out on lap one, had a terrible start to the season. Well, he finished second last week, and that is so important because now he sits 10th in the point standings uh, before he was outside the top 20. So a huge jump in the point standings for him. Will Power had another good day. He finished in eighth, and he sits just two points out of the points lead. Um, and running you through your top 10, Simon Pagino, solid run in third. Jack Harvey, he started on the front row, had a consistent day. Another young talent that has really been impressive. Fourth place for Jack Harvey, and right now he sits seventh in the overall standings. Takuma Sato with a sixth. Marcus Arison in seventh. Another one of those young guns. Will Power, Renus VK, and Sebastian Bourdais wrapped up the top 10 for the IndyCar race at uh, the... Uh, Streets of St. Petersburg, which one of those races is that's on my bucket list. It's it's so close to us really here in South Florida, right up there in the Tampa Bay area, and always puts on a great show. Really had some fantastic racing over the weekend. Colton Hurd, of course, he, he's got a reason to celebrate. He's loving St. Pete right now with that big win. Jimmy Johnson, I'm not sure how he feels about St. Pete. That was kind of a brutal round for him, but again... Uh, when I said uh, Jimmy Johnson getting a top 10 is going to make him look like he's the greatest driver of all time, no matter what, it's because of how difficult it is to transition. We're seeing that. Jimmy Johnson was the reason for two of the three cautions and, again, finished outside of the top 20, and there's only 24 starters. So this was uh, definitely Jimmy's toughest day behind the wheel, and now he gets a little break. Jimmy Johnson will not be in the car for the next two races that are both happening this coming weekend. It's going to be Tony Kanan taking over a spot in that car. Uh, And we will see what Tony can do driving for the 48 uh, team of Chip Ganassi Racing. Jimmy Johnson, I'm still not being hard on him. I think he's just out there having fun. If he gets a top 20, great. If not, oh well. Jimmy Johnson doesn't have anything to prove. He's just out there to run and say, I did IndyCar. Um, And the only thing I think really that could hurt him is spinning out and taking out some contenders or bringing out a caution at the wrong, wrong point where... It really affects the flow of the race. That's really all I see Jimmy Johnson uh, potentially having a problem with. Right now, it seems like he's just out there doing it because he wants to drive an IndyCar. I can't say I hate against that. Let the guy have a little bit of fun. Go out there and do what he wants to do. Well, IndyCar racing, like I said, has got a doubleheader coming up this weekend, and it's going to be in Texas. And I know there is some concern about that racetrack because last year really did not deliver the show I was expecting. These ovals are usually great with IndyCar. In fact, we're talking about getting more ovals in the series. The rumblings have started out of the Penske camp that Homestead-Miami Speedway might be on that schedule next year. Who knows? But uh, they definitely talked about trying to get some more ovals on the schedule, and I think they're lacking. I know there's some debate over the safety of the ovals, but for the competitiveness of the sport— And what these guys do, they've run ovals forever. And it is important, I think, in the sport to do that. They've made leaps and strides with the halo. So I think we need to be on a couple more oval tracks. Not the high-banked mile-and-a-halfs like Las Vegas, um, but, you know, maybe some of the lower-banked ones. Like even Kentucky Speedway, I think, would be a great fit because we had some great racing there, too, and you don't have the kind of banking that you have um, at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Either way, hopefully it'll be a good race this weekend. The concern at Texas is the uh, uh, the compound that NASCAR has been laying down on the racetrack for when they go there, and that was kind of affecting the IndyCars. They don't run well in that compound, and it sounds like it is uh, throwing them a bit of a curveball, at least from some of the testing they had. So hopefully... They're going to be able to clear that up in time, and we'll have two good shows coming up this weekend for IndyCar in Texas. As for NASCAR, we're going to be off to the Kansas Speedway, and because of the pandemic, qualifying is done by a metric system. Uh, The way that that is set up right now, if you do not know, 
NASCAR has a weighted mathematical formula that takes into account several factors. Your points position is 35%. The driver finishing position makes up 25% with the owner finishing position in case they have multiple drivers making up another 25%. And the fastest lap, we actually saw drivers drop back in the field to try and get a fastest lap last weekend at Talladega because that was going to affect their qualifying position. That makes up 15% of the formula. So for the truck series, this isn't a surprise. John Hunter Nemechek, he's got two wins and he's the defending winner. He will be starting right out front. But this time he doesn't get a head start on Kyle Busch. He ran the last couple of races, so he's got some finishes to back him up. Kyle's starting on the front row with him in the second place. It'll be Ben Rhodes, Johnny Sauter, Chandler Smith, Todd Gilliland, Austin Hill, Sheldon Creed, Zane Smith, and Stuart Friesen making up the top 10. And another name to watch for this weekend, uh, dropping down from the Cup Series, running this race, Chase Briscoe, back with Roper uh, Motorsports. He's going to be driving the 04 truck, and he will roll off all the way back in the 30th position, starting alongside Grant Enfinger, who is trying to put together a full-time season. He's only got part-time in the car. He's driven full-time for years at Thor Sport, so he's picked up a ride in the number nine for the second time this season. He'll be driving that car, um, and he will be starting in the 29th position. Not as well-funded, so it's going to be a challenge for him to get the kind of results we expect at a Grand Infinger week in, week out. As for the Cup Series, he won last week. He's on the pole this weekend. Second place is starting second, too. It's going to be Brad Keselowski going to be starting first. He's got Verizon 5G sponsoring him, so they got a big sponsor there on the two-car. William Byron starting in second. Michael McDowell, this is where it pays off those Talladega races. He's going to have a great view of the start in third. Kevin Harvick, he is a Kansas... Uh, dominant type of driver he sits atop of the driver rankings by a good bit he's also tied for the most wins among active drivers with joey logano and denny hamlin they've got three apiece brad keselowski and martin Truex jr with two apiece so those are going to be some guys to watch as well he'll be starting out in the fourth position uh, kevin harvick that is matt de benedetto will roll off in fifth We've got uh, Austin Dillon in sixth, Ryan Blaney, Christopher Bell. I can't talk enough about how great he's been this year, just putting consistent runs week in, week out, and, of course, getting to victory lane. Kyle Busch, this team has had good runs, but they've also struggled to get that first win. They're knocking on the door. They'll probably get it done pretty soon. And Cole Custer, he needs some good runs. He's further back in points. They got a good finish this past weekend. Trying to keep the momentum up, they will roll off in the 10th position. As for drivers to watch that maybe don't have the wins to go with it, Third best driver rating. If you're setting your fantasy team up, I would take a look at Chase Elliott. The year has been a little bit off for them. They have surprisingly been the underperforming Hendrick Carr. I would have never guessed that after the performance last year. The only one without a win, but they've got a third highest driver rating among active drivers in the field. So I would think that maybe keeping an eye on Chase Elliott, not a bad idea if you're looking for somebody to throw into your fantasy lineups coming up this weekend. Um, yeah, so did you see the name of the race? <laughs> uh, NASCAR, if you haven't seen this story, uh, gave fans the option to name it. That was a bad idea. <laughs> I kind of love the name, though. I'm not going to lie. It's the Bushy McBush Race 400. Um, and uh, if you're going to Nashville Speedway, uh, they just asked them to name the parking lot that overlooks turns one and two. Lottie McLotface. Uh, and uh, Parky McParkface were two of the most uh, responded to uh, votes. So who knows? That might happen too. <laughs> the public just ruins these things. We want to have fun and ask them to name something. They always do this, but I I'm kind of digging the name, honestly. I've been looking forward to this race, not only because Kansas is kind of a wild card and it's an exciting racetrack, but 
I just want to hear Mike Joy intro it with the Bushy McBush Race 400. That's going to be amazing to hear him jump on the air and uh, try and talk up the Bushy McBush Race 400. That is definitely the highlight of the weekend. If you are a NASCAR fan, that's coming up Sunday, 3 p.m. on Fox Sports 1, and that'll be at Kansas, which we had some big wrecks at Kansas, some wild stuff that happens at that place. Even a car flipped last year, and you don't normally see that outside of Daytona, Talladega. So... Kansas always brings the drama. The action starts out with a Saturday doubleheader, though. Arca takes it on with the Dutch Boy 150 at Kansas. That's Saturday, 1.30 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. Then the trucks have got it under the lights Saturday night, 7.30 p.m. on Fox Sports 1 with the Wise Power 200. IndyCar starts their doubleheader at the exact same time. I, I can't stand when they run these things at the same time, but... What can you do? 7.30 p.m. I'll got my DVR rolling to record the Genesis 300 Saturday on NBCSN. Then as we get to Sunday, Formula One kicks off the morning at 10 a.m. on ESPN. It's the Heineken Grand Prix of Portugal. And, of course, that cup race at 3 from Kansas on Fox Sports 1. And the Expel 375 is going to be happening in Texas. That's Sunday at 5 p.m. on NBCSN. And a little bit of a longer race for uh, IndyCar on the second day at Texas Motor Speedway. We'll be back next week to recap all of the action from Kansas and Texas. Until then, we'll catch you guys later. Thanks so much for joining us on Flag to Flag. Happening every single Wednesday night, 7 p.m. or after any live sports. And, of course, the podcast available, too. That's FoxSports640.com. We'll catch you back here next week. It's Flag to Flag on Fox Sports 640.